Welcome to Holistic Ambition, where we talk with visionary leaders who are redefining what it means to be ambitious. We cover ways you can live with more well-being, meaning, and fun in your career, business, and relationships. I'm your host, Stephanie Toma, life coach for ambitious professionals and author of Confident Introvert. Today we have we have Deshay Peacock, and she's an international retreat leader, lifestyle design coach, and founder of Sweet Spot Style. Peacock works with entrepreneurial women to upgrade their businesses and their lifestyle. She's also the author of Create the Style You Crave and Your Creative Workspace. Peacock holds a master's degree from the School for International Training, is a certified global career development facilitator, and has led workshops and retreats across the globe. HuffPost called her first book, The Book to Give Your Girlfriend. She's also been featured in Origins Mag, The Jungalo, Where Women Create, ABC News, US News and Money, and many, many more. Oh my goodness. So I'm so excited for us to just dive in. We were talking a little bit before we were rolling, all about connection and fun. Yes, I love that theme. Um, yeah, where should we where should we start? I feel like um, well, what we were talking about before, you know, for me this year, because there's seasons in your life and your business, right? Um, and I think it's great to reflect on where you've been and where you're going and kind of like, what is it that I want to feel right now? And um, what came up for me at first was connection and personal connection. So like one-to-one connection, you know, small group connection, workshops, retreats, like really. I'm not trying to go so wide, you know, when we're thinking about our businesses, like, hmm, how do I want to get out there? How do I want to be visible for me this year? It's not so much about really wide, but more narrow and more um, meaningful. So that's the connection part for me. And then we were talking about um, books and Richard Branson and um, one of his books emphasized one point around having fun and your business and your life. And that's a sign of success when you can be like, oh, I'm going to pursue fun. Um, and, you know, we we're talking about like, you know, there's been times in my business where I was like, actually, I don't, I'm not pursuing fun right now. <laughs> I'm good. I just want to grow. I really want to focus on business. But this year also feels like a switch in that, um, a transition where I'm really wanting to notice and really see where the fun is and pay attention. And, and, and I have, like, I've noticed a couple of times, even leading retreat or one with a, when I'm with a client one-to-one and just stopping and being like, wow, this is really fun. <laughs> like time is escaping. This is fun. I love this. And just kind of like bookmarking that for myself. Like, oh yeah, like recreate this, do more of this love that, that kind of dropping into, wait a second, I'm having so much fun right now. And and instead of just, it's like a combination of being in the moment, but also being intentional about being conscious and aware of the fun to allow it to amplify and expand. And, you know, you, you are a multi-passionate entrepreneur. So when it comes to allowing for so much spontaneity and fun and play in the work that you do with leading global retreats and all these really fun um, sorts of activities, how do you navigate that in a business world that oftentimes tells us that we should niche down? 
Oh boy, that's a big question. <laughs> so um, definitely, I think it really has to do with your personality. Um, so you know, if anybody's listening and you're not sure, like take you know, take the Myers Briggs, and I'm an um, ENFP, and they're known to be very multi passionate. Like ENFPs love to learn, and they love project based things, and you know, we really do not like routine. And so I think that I tried to listen to the online marketing world for a long time when I started my business. And it was like, oh, I'm supposed to do one thing, but I just literally cannot do one thing. It's just not fun for me at all. There's that word fun. Um, so it's like, what's important to you and who are you? What are your values and what is your personality and where are your strengths? So I just had to accept it. Like, I'm never going to do one thing that doesn't excite me, that doesn't energize me. I'm going to do multiple things. But the way that I need to do it needs to be under an umbrella brand. And that's how I make how, how it makes sense to me and how it makes sense to other people. Um, and so for an umbrella brand to work, you know, you need to have one ideal client and that's someone who is interested in your brand message. And then your brand message needs to be cohesive. Now, if you can have those two things then you can have multiple streams of income under that brand, which is what I do. And I incorporate the things that I want to do in my business. So I love home decor. I've written a couple of books on home decor. I love to travel. I lead retreats. So, you know, I like to incorporate my life into my business. It's not like a separation. It's more connection. It's more flow. Um, and everything is interconnected. Yeah. So there's, you know, what I'm hearing is that there's this sort of what lights you up. You're really attuned to what is you know, to reuse word again, fun for you. And then you're like, wait, like, let's create this for myself and other people. And I love this idea of an umbrella brand that encompasses and kind of cradles all the little pieces and ties it together. So for someone listening right now, let's say that they have seemingly unrelated projects. How could someone begin to tie the pieces together or maybe discern which things to emphasize or keep or omit? Well, I think that you do have to kind of, it has to make sense when you're explaining it to people, right? And so it's like, what is the, like, if you could write them all down and see if there's any overlap in themes or people, right? And so when I think about, okay, what is my business and how can I put all these things together? Like, even when I was writing my first book, um, before I really had an idea of what my business was. I was like, oh, this is a book about personal development and fashion and career and, you know, uh, travel and home decor. And the publisher was like, we're interested in you, but we don't have a shelf for what you're talking about. This doesn't exist. You need to narrow it down. And so I narrowed it down to home decor. Right. Um, but then after I had the book on home decor and I started learning marketing, people started coming to me for marketing and just evolved into this lifestyle business with different components. But when I asked myself, okay, how do I tie this all together? One of the questions is like, who do I want to work with and what do I want to do? Right. So who do you want to work with can really help you figure out what, what goes under your umbrella brand. So for me, I said, well, who do I want to work with? I want to work with people that are, that kind of feel like friends, that it feels easy and that it would be maybe somebody I would even hang out with outside of work. So they're kind of like me. They, they're ambitious. They're, you know, relatively smart. They have goals. They are always interested in growth. 
and they really, and they have a business and they want to grow this business. They also happen to love travel and they believe that their home environment and the spaces that they're in affect their energy and therefore they're intentional about being in beautiful places. So it sounds like a lot of things, but actually all of those things make that person more niche. Mm. And so that person is going to be interested in the multiple things that I have to offer. Like they're going to be interested in my books. People have bought my books and then hired me as a coach. People have gone on my retreat and then bought my books. And so it's that type of person. So that would be my tip for somebody who's like, wow, I have a lot of interest and I don't know how to put it together. Find, like ask yourself, well, what do I want to do and who do I want to do it with? And does this make sense? Is it the same person? If it's a different person, then it's probably a different business. If it's a different need or challenge, it might be a different business. Yeah. So it's almost like redefining the niche, not as the topic, but as the human that you're serving. And, you know, what a way to sort of flip the script on its head where you get to be multi-passionate, you get to explore your own interests and make new friends in the process. So, you know, Mm -hmm. this is, it brings up another interesting point where let's say that, um, let's say an earlier stage entrepreneur or even a later stage let's say they have this idea that friends are in one bucket, clients are in another bucket. You have to keep, you know, a fine line between the two to keep things professional. What would you say about that? I go against the grain with pretty much every like piece of marketing advice and business advice out there. And with this one, it's the same. Like some of my dearest, closest friends are like, have been clients. And I'm friends and friendly with all of my clients, but we still maintain a professional relationship as like their coach. When I get on the call, we'll do a check-in. How are you? How's it going? You know, Um, but then if it gets too much into personal, then it's my job to reel it back in and be like, okay, well, let's look at your action list and let's see what you've done for your business in the last two weeks. But it cannot be separate because sometimes personal things come up that affect your business. There may be something going on in your life where you have a lot of distractions and people hire me to help them keep focused because I work with multi-passionate entrepreneurs. So, you know, we're often distracted with all kinds of interesting things that we want to do. But my job is to be like, okay, what is your priority? What is it that you want to focus on? And let's stay focused. Um, But, you know, the funny thing is, like, I have clients where we'll get off our call and we'll say, I love you. You know, like, you can't get more friendly than that. You know, not all of them, not all of them, but certainly some, you know, it's like, okay, I'll see you next time. Love you. (laughs) I mean, you know, what's, it sounds like you've really kind of cracked a code in terms of, blurring the lines in a really intentional way with, you know, personal gratification and relationships and monetization. Um, So, you know, this speaks a lot to implicitly about, you know, money mindset. And, you know, let's say that someone listening in is wanting to maybe boundaries is in here as well, right? Let's say that someone is a coach, but then they find themselves low-key coaching friends, but not getting compensation. So yeah, let's kind of dive into the the boundaries in this topic of working with friends. That's a really good one. And so I think like boundaries, you do have to, okay, well, for first of all, let's start with the first part of what you said, which is like, do you accidentally start coaching people who aren't your clients? Um, 
this this personality type that we talked about in the beginning, ENFP, we we tend to see the possibilities in things. So it's like, oh, Stephanie, like I see the possibility. You could do this. You could do that. Like that's an inherently part of my personality. So I just want to do it with everybody. But I don't because I've learned that not everybody wants you to hear what you have to say about the possibilities they have in their life. Number one, they may not care at all. And you're just inflicting your opinion on them. And that's not actually nice. You know, so what I've learned is that I just kind of have to keep, keep quiet. If I see possibility in something like it's not my job to just randomly give advice to people. So I am very clear about that. Like when I'm hanging out with people or I'm meeting someone for the first time, I try to just be like a normal person, not their coach, you know, <laughs> and we may dive into topics around personal development or spirituality or whatever. And if they seem interested and they start going down the road of kind of asking me questions, I'll be like, wow, that's, you know, like, that's a great topic. Like, are you looking for support? Like, let get their permission, you know, like, are you looking for support? Are you looking for a coach? Um, yeah, I'm like, okay, well, how about you um, sign up for a clarity call with me? It's free. It's 20 minutes. We can see if this is a good match for coaching relationship. And then it's like, once we get on the call and I set this up, you know, on my sales page and everything, like the way my, the way my coaching is set up, it's pretty long. It's like six months. So we do develop a deep relationship. I like that. Um, but it's like, we talk every two weeks and it's for an hour and they get email support in between, but one of the things that one of the things that really helps, I think, for me is most of my clients are virtual. And so we're on the call for an hour. They only have an hour and they're they're paying quite a bit of money for for this time. So we're both very um, conscious of that time that they're trying to get everything they need for their business. And then they can email me stuff in between and I'll answer now, if it's a, I don't know, it just it hasn't been a problem for me. And I think it's just because. Um, I don't really know, I guess just the way it's set up. Um, but if somebody asks a question, for example, that has a really long answer, like for example, oh, Deshay, um, we talked about last time we talked about lots of stuff and we talked about that I need to grow my email list. Like, how do I do that? I'd be like, okay, honey, like that is a great question. I want you to do this, but let's save that for next time because like, this is a six week course. Like this isn't like a paragraph. You know, this is a long answer. So let's save that for our next session. So I really just try to direct it to the sessions. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, it sounds like, you know, people listening in that work in the personal growth space, it, it's about sort of being a normal person in the world. And then, yeah, of course, you know, people start to catch on that, oh, wait, this person's really insightful and start asking you questions to, have that boundary within yourself to be able to turn that into an invitation to, yeah. let's say, have a clarity call. And, you know, when it comes to, let's say, having multiple income streams that keep you in business, you know, you've, you've been in business for the past 10 plus years, uh, you know, client retention, right, is a part of that. So can you speak to how having multiple income streams, you know, the average millionaire has seven, you know, that that's a pretty well-known statistic. So I'm, I'm curious about um, how you found that that has helped you. Well, it's definitely helped me. And I feel like that's another thing that that's really in the online marketing world. Um, a message is like that you need a niche and that you need to really focus on one thing. And I think that that message is starting to disappear after the pandemic, right? Because 
I had um, at least two streams, probably more, but my biggest two streams of income prior to the pandemic were retreats and one-to-one coaching. Well, retreats immediately ended and I didn't lead a retreat for two years. And that was 40% of my income at the time. But luckily I had coaching and I got lucky because everybody wanted business coaching, (laughs) online business coaching right at that time for two years. Now, um, guess what? People are, they're still wanting one-to-one coaching for sure, but they're really not as interested in like Zoom and they're not interested in online courses and memberships and all that stuff. They want in-person. And so this year, retreat business has like gone bananas and it's really um, lucrative. But if I would have just had one or the other, I think I would be in a tight space. And certainly there's different seasons in your business and certain things that you are beyond your control, like the economy, pandemic, like just trends in online marketing, trends in business. Um, so I think it's really smart to have a few different streams of income. And even outside of my quote unquote umbrella brand, that business, like I'm also learning about real estate and I'm building another stream of income that's totally separate from my business that's in real estate investing and I'm growing that business slowly but surely. And that's like a long-term wealth building strategy. Whereas under my um, coaching business and my retreat business, it's like I am trading dollars for time and I love that model and I can do that model forever. But um, that I feel like it's like kind of short term, like I'll work with you. I'll get the money, (laughs) you know, I'll build a retreat. I'll get the money. Whereas real estate, it's the long term. And so I think, you know, I guess the short of it is like diversify, diversify, but don't spread yourself too thin. Mm. Yeah. You know, because certain unforeseeable events, such as, you know, what you mentioned, um, yeah, it can take a stream of income you know, sort of a way for the indefinite future. And, you know, now that we are able to be in person again, and, you know, when we met at Alt Summit, uh, I know we talked a bit about um, hosting, you hosting retreats in Mexico and, and having such a blast, having back-to-back retreats. And it sounds like there's a fair amount of serendipity and strategy that went into that. So for someone who's interested in selling out their retreat, whether it be for the first time, or maybe they've hosted a retreat before, but they're like, it could have gone better. What are some tips that you have for really maximizing a retreat hosts ROI of putting on an experience like that? Well, I think it's like a lot more than most people think. I think they think, oh, I can just throw together a retreat. I just need to find the right location and find the right place and market it and get the people. But really, it's a lot more than that because you need to be a good marketer. Number one, um, you also have to be a really good facilitator. If you're going to invite people, especially to come from far away, maybe come to another country like I do, um, you need to be able to take care of them and you need to have a framework in place um, to navigate group dynamics and just to take care of people in general. Um, And then, of course, if you have a theme, you need to make sure that um, you're you're spacing things out in a way that accommodates different learning styles and again different personalities because some people are morning people they want to hit the ground running they want to go 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 they want to maximize everything other people need more time to be alone they need more quiet time you may have extroverts and introverts and you have to learn how to navigate that within a group so that everybody gets their voice heard um, and gentle ways to do that so you're not hurting people's feelings um, but on the flip side also just being able to read a group dynamic, being a little bit intuitive, 
and, and not letting one person kind of like rule the roost or like if one person's more needy than the rest of the group that you don't fall into the trap of trying to just please that one person at the expense of the group. Mm. So there's there's a lot to learn um, about that. But then just back to like general st- strategy, like if it's your first time leading a retreat um, or, or not, even if you have if you've led one before, but you're coming back to it. The most important thing is not make any assumptions about what people want from you. Ask them. So I always say to anybody, any of my clients here, you know, on the brink of doing uh, running a retreat, I say, pull your audience don't make assumptions. So ask them, you know, how long do you want this to be? Give them some options. What time of the year is best for you? Don't assume and never book a retreat on like a school vacation, which is kind of hard because, you know, school vacations are different, different parts of the um, country. But you can think about your ideal client and where you think they're going to come from and just do a little research. Just ask your people like, Hey, I was thinking about the third week of February and they, they might be like, oh, that's my kid's school vacation. So you don't plan around there because number one, people are going on vacations with their family. And two, airfare is way more expensive and more places like your favorite hotel might be booked out already. And then a really good question to ask is about budget. You know, like, are you on a lower end budget? Are you kind of mid range? Are you looking for a luxury experience that will help guide your price point? And finally, you know, definitely ask them around about destination and theme, you know, so do you want to go to Mexico? Do you want to go to New England? Um, do you want to focus on creativity or interior design or business? You know, I feel like there's a lot of competition out there now. There's a lot of people running retreats and they're probably going to come on this retreat because of you. So what are you about? What do you stand for? What would be fun for you? Put together this list first based off your desires and then get this feedback before you do anything else, before you create a website, uh, a sales page, before you book the hotel. That's my biggest, biggest, biggest piece of advice for getting started. Yeah, that's awesome. So really having it be a two-way line of communication where it's not like, hey, we're doing this. Do you want to come? It's more like, what do you want to do? And then, oh, do you want to come to this experience that you kind of co-created with me? Um, and, you know, I'm curious from the logistical side of things. So let's say, you know, before or after market research, is there, let's say, something that you wish you knew um, logistically that is kind of a best practice that a lot of people get wrong in the beginning? Oh, well, I think the biggest risk is like when you book your accommodation, right? And so you really have to pay attention to what the when is the last day before you lose your cancellation fee, when you lose your money that you've put down. So oftentimes you'll have to put down, you know, maybe 25%, maybe 50% to hold your place, but you need enough time to market your retreat and get yeses before that last day that you can cancel. And so, and that's different for, um, for pretty much every place. Like it's different on Airbnb. Some people, you can cancel right up to the last minute, but you, you can't base it on that because people will start booking their airfare and stuff like that. And if you don't have enough people, then you, you're in a bind. If somebody has like, let's say that you want 10 people and five people signed up right at the beginning and you're kind of stringing it out and you're like, well, I still have, you know, like a few days before, <laughs> before I can cancel and lose all my money, but that's really close to the retreat time. You really need to book everything way more in advance than you think. Give yourself tons of buffers 
So you can make a decision and say, you know what? Oh goodness, it doesn't look like this. Like I have half and um, and then you have to look at the numbers and make sure they make sense. Like maybe you can still run it, but you know, if you're going to lose money, you're not going to run it. Right. So you have to, you have to really be cautious about the timing. That's, that's the most important thing. Yeah. And on the topic of timing, a big driver to become an entrepreneur is eventually having some time freedom, right? So when it comes to choosing or creating a business model that really fits, let's say someone's unique personality, their values, their level of ambition, speaking from your own experience, can you share how you have built that out? Yeah, I use something I call lifestyle intention. And so instead of like coming up with a goal and saying like, oh, I really want to lead a retreat. I say, how do I want to feel in my life and in my business? That's first. That comes before anything. And so I write that out. And for example, mine says I want to be surrounded by beauty. I want to feel financially free. I want to be able to make decisions based off whatever I want to do right now, as opposed to looking at my bank account and seeing if I think I can afford it. That is a really big one for me. Um, Also, I want to feel like my work is meaningful and creative and that I get to work with interesting people that give me energy. So based off the lifestyle intention, then I say, I wonder what I think I could do that will bring me that feeling and try it out and see if I have that feeling. Okay, I'm going to try this retreat. Let's see how this goes. Do I have, is it making me feel financially free? Is it making me feel like I'm able to have the feelings I just described? Yes. Okay, let's do another one, you know, Um, and that's how I've built, that's how I've invented this career that you know, goes across multiple streams of income, doing multiple different things. It's really crafted towards like the way I want to feel. And if you can get that feeling, then you've won. Because sometimes you've probably experienced this yourself or with your clients or where they're like, I really want this thing. I got to have this thing. And they get the thing and they're not satisfied. Mm. Right. And so it's like, why aren't you satisfied? Like, because you thought that thing was going to make you satisfied, but in the end it didn't. So if we start with a feeling, sometimes the path to that feeling is different and there's no guarantees, right? You still have to try it out, but then, you know, have that awareness, um, try to go towards the feeling rather than some goal that you think is going to make you happy. Totally. And, you know, what I'm hearing is this sort of shift to a more feminine way of doing business. And this is holistic ambition in a nutshell, where it's taking into account how you feel, how, you know, in your words, this is the most important thing. You know, why else are you here other than to, you know, take into account your own emotional state? So when that translates into, you know, I'm thinking of the traditional nine to five, 40 to 80 hour work week, two weeks of vacation a year, you know, um, how does the lifestyle that you've built uh, match up with that or rather just totally deviate from that or do you find that you're working you know certain months of the year off certain months of the year or or yeah how how is that for you well I think it deviates a lot from the typical work experience of most people um and I'm totally fine with that but it has been tricky because I'll go like I live in Vermont and it's cold here. Um, And so I like to leave and go to sunnier places in the winter. But I'm also a mom, right? I have a daughter who's now 16. So I've been traveling to Mexico for 12 years. And a lot of times she's come with me and um, she's come with me. And then I've had friends and clients like 
I'll bring her and take her home while I'm leading retreat because I can't do both at the same time. When I'm leading retreat, it's got to be full on me. I can't be a mom and do that at the same time, right? Um, so there's been a lot of negotiation with my husband because when she was three, I was like, hey, I'm miserable. I cannot live in this freezing cold place for eight months. Like I have to go, um, but I can't, I don't want to be away from my daughter for so long. So I'm going to bring her with me and I'm going to pull her out of school for a month. You know, when she's in kindergarten, we did this. And um, there was a lot of negotiation with my husband because he's like, well, I want to be with you guys, too. I don't want you to just go off and have fun. But, you know, he chose this path and he's a teacher. So he doesn't have off during the winter like we do. He has a week off in February, a week in April. So we had to negotiate that. And like, okay, how about let's let me go and bring Isla in the month of February and you fly down for your week and then you fly back with her and then I'll do retreat. There's been a ton of logistics around that. Um, but I had to create a business that would pay for that too, because there's a lot of flying back and forth and that's expensive. And let me tell you, before I started my job, <laughs> my career, um, as an entrepreneur, I had a regular job at a university. And I felt the same way as I do now. Like I wanted to go and we could not afford it in time or money. And so by letting go of that job, it just opened up everything for me. But but that was for me. I still had to negotiate with my husband. And then there's still there's still questions like from random people, your friends, society, like, oh wow, you're going, you're going off and you're doing that. Like, would they say that if I was a man? Like how many men get questioned if they're going off somewhere to travel for work? So I have to remind people like, yeah, I'm part of why I created a retreat was like, yeah, I'm going for work. I'm going to make money and I'm doing this because I love it. And yeah, this is what I'm doing. And now everybody's used to it. Like I'll call my mom, she's like, where are you? I'm like I'm in Mexico. She's like, I didn't even know you were going to Mexico. You know, like she's just, they get used to it after a while, but it's, it's definitely not typical. But what I'd say is like, I didn't always have this. And if you're listening, you may be like, that sounds awful. I don't want to, I don't want to travel all that. <laughs> I don't want that lifestyle. But if you do want that lifestyle, like you can do it. You just have to intentionally create it. And it, it took me a while. It's not saying like it happened overnight. It was a process. Yeah, there's this identifying what the desire is and then being conscious of the fact that this isn't how everyone does things and people will have their opinions. They will share their unsolicited opinions <laughs> and being really rooted to the point where it sounds like now, 10, 12 years later, you're so rooted in it that it kind of slides right off more or less because you went through that weird uh, sort of phase where it was more new and you're going against the grain and you know, sort of bran branching off of that. How do you define ambition? I think ambition is being brave enough to admit your true desires to yourself and take action. Mm. So, yeah, right. So being brave enough to really claim your desires and, you know, maybe um, when it comes to holistic ambition, is there maybe a slight difference or a nuance uh, of what that means to you? Well, when I think of holistic, I think that encompass is more than one thing. And I think this goes right back to being multi-passionate. And like, if you are, if you have multiple desires, um, that 
you accept that and you figure out a way to be ambitious within the multiple desires that you have, it's not to say that it all has to go under one branch, that it all has to be one business. Like you may have a couple of different streams of income in your business and you may have something on the side that you do for fun. It doesn't make uh, money at all, um, but you're still able to devote some time and energy into that. So I think it's like just accepting who you are um, and going for it. That's That's holistic ambition to me. Yeah. So how can people stay connected with you and learn more about you and your work? Well, I'm on the gram. So it's Deshay Peacock and that's D-E-S-H-A and then Peacock like the bird. And then my website is sweetspotstyle.com. Um, so you can go on there and you can find all kind of freebies. There's a retreat timeline and checklist if you're interested in that. There's um, there's another freebie that's like seven steps to get into your sweet spots lifestyle. I think there's another one on like how to write your own lifestyle intention. So go over to sweetspotstyle.com, sign up for one of those things. You'll be on my email list and then we can um, continue to get to know each other. Thank you for tuning in to Holistic Ambition. This is Stephanie Toma saying goodbye for now and inviting you to take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe. Until next time.